Good evening, Riverside, San Bernardino, Inland Empire, and listeners around the world. Welcome to the True Seekers Radio Show. I'm your host, Angeline Marie. Thanks for taking the time to join us this evening. We're broadcasting from our flagship station, KCAA, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. If you're located in the Southern California Inland Empire, you'll find us on KCAA 1050 on the AM dial. And if not, you can find us streaming on kcaaradio.com or talkstreamlive.com. You can also hear our program rebroadcast on Liberty Works Radio Network at libertyworksradionetwork.com or on Red State Talk Radio at redstatetalkradio.com, and you can check their websites for broadcast days and times. You can also find podcasts posted on kcaaradio.com to listen at your leisure. And don't forget, you can always find out more about our show at truthseekersradioshow.com. Today, my guest is C. Fenner Goldsboro, and we're going to discuss his book titled Super Scam, Mega Fraud and the Misapplication of the Income Excise Tax. Mr. Goldsboro is a retired general insurance broker who was born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland, and is now living in northern Michigan. He was a former chairman of the Free State Constitutionist, a Baltimore, Maryland-based organization dedicated to education of the public on the taxing authorities and limitations of the U.S. Constitution and the Internal Revenue Code, in particular its violation by the Internal Revenue Service. Additionally, we'll be joined by his wife, Joanne. She's a former legal secretary, and as they travel around the country, she helps him with the teaching of Americans on this important information. Good morning, Fenner and Joanne. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, hi, Angeline. Good to be with you this morning. Great. Listen, thanks so much for taking the time to share this important information with the listeners this morning. So before we get started, I just wondered, Fenner, if you could give us a little bit of your background just so that the listeners you know, know where you're coming from and then tell us how you got involved in the income tax issue. Sure, happy to do that, Angeline. Yeah, going all the way back to the 70s, remember, I'm one of the uh, the members of the so-called old guard in the tax fight against uh, tyranny uh, indulged in by the Internal Revenue Service for low these many years, and I'm going back all the way to the early 70s. And at that stage of the game, a bunch of us in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, became interested and this subject, and we formed Free State Constitutionists, of which I was chair. And we used to give these presentations not only in Baltimore, but we traveled throughout the country uh, when we learned uh, about the scam. And uh, finally, after the many, many years I had uh, uh, in working this fight, as we call it, the war uh, against uh, tax tyranny, I decided finally in 2010 after my retirement and my move to northern Michigan to get to know my seven great-grandchildren up here. By the way, I'm 86 now, so I go back a long way uh, in terms of the years I've been involved in this fight. And uh, I decided to write my book, Super Scam, which is this expose, as you uh, noted in your introduction. And... uh, 
that is, I, I think what I'd like to do if we get started with your permission is just to try to give a quick uh, thumbnail summary of Super Scam so that your audience will have an idea what we're all about. And then we'll also, of course, by reference to my website, uh, give them an opportunity to pick up a, a plethora of information, a wealth of information about what we're gonna, the subject we'll be discussing. In the couple hours that we'll have to do this, we're not going to be able to cover the subject in its entirety, needless to say, but I'm hopeful that we'll be able to give your listeners enough information that will stimulate their enthusiasm to learn more and learn how they can stop paying what they'll learn from my book, Super Scam, that they have never owed and give themselves a big raise. Let's, let's look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Does that sound reasonable? That sounds good, Fenner. Go ahead. Okay, let's first talk about the book. My book, Super Scam, is a compilation of information contained in the thousands of flyers that we at Free State Constitutionists wrote and distributed all over the United States during the past 40 years. Now, none of the information contained in these detailed flyers has ever been challenged by lawyers from either the Justice Department or the Internal Revenue Service. Uh, Angeline, uh, I'd first like to briefly summarize the contents of my book, which explains, of course, why almost all American citizens, not 90, I would say better than 99%, have never owed an income tax, and how they can legally stop paying a tax that they have never owed, but have been deceived into believing that they have owed for most of their working lives. Now, some people, some of our citizens, pay from a false belief that it is patriotic to do so, and that's very understandable. But most pay from fear of IRS's vigorously threatened consequences if they don't. Uh, Simply stated, most Americans have been bamboozled, terror-stricken for decades into believing IRS propaganda. And that is, of course, that the law requires them to pay a tax on their earnings or other receipts. And my book proves why this is not true on two distinct counts. And before I discuss those accounts, let me uh, give your re- your listeners uh, uh, access to my website, and I'll try to do that uh, very quickly so that they will know that there is this wealth of information available there. And the website is at www.super, that's S-U-P-E-R, dash, scam, S-C-A-M, at gmail, uh, excuse me, superscam.com. And the website, <clears throat> if they want to access my uh, <clears throat> website, that's that's the information that's necessary. Let's talk quickly about, uh, get back to my summary. Chapters 1 and 2 of my book, Super Scam, explain why uh, the tax is prohibited by our Constitution. <clears throat> and second, the statutory law itself is embodied in Title 26 of the Internal Revenue Code. And this totally supports the constitutional prohibition when it is carefully read and understood. Super Scam analyzes the key sections of the Internal Revenue Code in detail in Chapters 3 through 7. And then a valuable tool uh, a valuable tool for the uh, a reader to protect himself against any criminal prosecution and possibly IRS civil collection efforts as well is described in Chapter 8. Chapter 9, this is the last chapter of the book, provides 14 of the most frequently asked questions and answers 
that's the Q&A section, on the subject matter of the book, uh, uh, pointing to more detailed response, of course, uh, to each question in a chapter-by-chapter designation. A, a, in a prologue, a preface, and an epilogue in the book, Uh, provide a meaningful introduction and conclusion. Uh, The epilogue detailing my solution, which would have a far-reaching positive effect, not only on our nation's current failing economy, and I don't think there's any argument about that, but on the well-being and happiness of our people. I suggest uh, to your listeners that the preface, prologue, and the epilogue uh, should be read first for those who want to buy my book, uh, followed by Chapter 9 which is the most frequently asked questions and answers, which will refer uh, the reader uh, by a chapter, chapter by a reference to details on the questions and answers in Chapter 9. Now, Angeline, as we're speaking uh, this morning in August of 2013, our nation is suffering from an expanding economic crisis. I think you'd agree with me on that. Created in large measure by the current administration's I call hyperinflationary tax and spend policies. Republicans and some Democrats certainly agree that we must initiate huge cuts in government spending. In 2010, when the government collected over $1.16 trillion in personal income taxes that our citizens never owed. History proves that for every dollar of taxes government collects, they spend a dollar and 58 cents increasing the national debt by 58%. In other words, taxes create spending. So increasing the 2010 taxes collected by $1.6 trillion would create immediate government spending of about $1.84 trillion, much more than that in 2012. Okay, Fenner, I hate to step in here, but we need to take a break. Listeners, today my guest, C. Fenner Goldsboro, author of Super Scam, Mega Fraud and the Misapplication of the Income Excise Tax, and we'll be back right after this message. Thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the Asahi berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic Asahi extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147, 800-430-4147, 800-430-4147. 
Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Let TalkStream Live transform the way you listen to radio. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. In a nation that has lost its way, Essays in Liberty is an important work. There has never been a time since the American Revolution that has called for a greater effort in teaching the principles of liberty. The vast majority of America has become liberty illiterate. Help revive our founders' vision of a constitutional representative republic. Fight for freedom today. Essays in Liberty will equip you to do just that. Order Dr. David Berman's latest book, Essays in Liberty, at smellthetruth.com. That's smellthetruth.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers Radio Show. Today, our guest is C. Fenner Goldsboro, and we're discussing his book, Super Scam, Mega Fraud and the Misapplication of the Income Excise Tax. And Fenner, before we went to the break, you were talking about how we're actually, how the government is actually spending more since this tax. So you could pick it up there. Yeah, sure. The increases I pointed out, Angeline, uh, in, in uh, actual taxes collected here, every every dime that they collect is increased by 58%. And I pointed out that uh, if that were to see, that would create an immediate government spending, you know, of about uh, $1.84 trillion, much more than it would be in 2012. And so consequently, ending the unconstitutional, and, you know, ending the unconstitutional and statutorily misapplied income excise tax on the earnings of American citizens uh, would provide a huge reduction in government spending. And it would immediately divert the flow of these vast sums into the public pocketbook. Think about that. Rather than the wasteful government treasury. And, and this would result in an unparalleled economic boom as these multi-billions are spent or invested by our citizens in the marketplace. This could go a long way, I think your listeners would agree, towards job creation. We know how much that's needed. And it would be a remedy from our current depression, a major reduction of our nation's escalating multi-trillion dollar debt. Now, my book, Super Scam, shows how and why Working Americans can legally stop IRS theft from their pocketbook and give themselves an immediate big raise. By spending and investing our money in the marketplace, we would be greatly helping our country's economic recovery. Maybe it would be a good idea if you, uh, if you liked it. We go back and start with a little summary of taxation, which I have in the first couple of chapters of my book. I think it's important that we understand what our Constitution has to say about the taxing authority and how it's been misapplied by the Internal Revenue Service. All taxes, Angeline, <laughs> that are authorized in our Constitution under Article 1, Section 8 are either so-called direct or indirect. I think it's a good idea for us to show the difference between a direct and an indirect tax uh, because an understanding of the entire income tax scam as it is misapplied by IRS might become somewhat clearer. Uh, a direct tax 
is a tax that's levied and is cannot be moved or, or transferred to somebody else. In other words, the recipient of the tax, the person or, or subject of the tax, cannot uh, exchange it and, and, and recover their, their tax money from another party. That's a direct tax. And our Constitution is very explicit on the requirements of direct taxation. And those uh, requirements are embodied in Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3, and Article 1, Section 9, Clause 4 of the Constitution. Now, time doesn't permit me to read those to you verbatim, but basically what the direct tax obligation constitutionally states is that all direct taxes must be imposed on the states of the Union. Now, that's been true ever since their Constitution was ratified in 1787. And by but what actually happens if a direct tax is going to be imposed, which is always for reasons of some sort of an emergency, usually to finance a war, then it's imposed upon the treasures of the states of the states of the union. For, give you a quick example. Uh, let's say that uh, our government needs to raise X number of millions or billions of dollars, and uh, they want to impose a direct tax to do so then that bill goes to each of the 50 state uh, treasury departments, and the bill is going to be imposed, let's say, on the state of California, for instance, where I know your radio show is going to go. Let's say California has 10% of the population <coughs> of the nation. Well, then based on that population percentage of 10%, the state of California would be obligated to pay their 10% share of the direct tax. And, of course, that would uh, be in each state of the union. You, you have a small state like Rhode Island might only be 1%. That's the way an apportioned direct tax would be applied to each of the states of the union, never against individuals. That mm -hmm. is totally prohibited by Article 1, Section 9, Clause 4 of the Constitution. So that tells you a little bit about a direct tax. An indirect tax is in the nature of an excise. It's duties, imposts, or excises, and specifically stated in our Constitution. And the income tax that most Americans have been improperly charged with and are improperly and erroneously and unlawfully paying today on their wages, salaries, or other income uh, that they might earn is an indirect excise tax, and that is one that technically is transferable, but it doesn't apply to them, as we pointed out in great detail in Chapters 1 and 2 of the book, because it is an attempt and an unlawful attempt by IRS to tax directly uh, the wages, salaries, and other income of the citizenry when it's totally prohibited by those two provisions in the Constitution that I just mentioned. And that I discuss in great detail in, sec in chapter one of the book. And so we go on from there to a, a, a better understanding of the indirect excise tax, uh, which is actually a tax on corporate uh, profit or gain and or profit or gain from non-resident aliens and other foreign entities. That's the next consideration uh, that we have to discuss when we go to uh, an in-depth discussion of the income tax and its misapplication.
Now, in 1909, our then-president William Howard Taft was the guy that initiated what we know today as the 16th Amendment to the Constitution, terribly misunderstood amendment. And uh, I want to discuss that just briefly so that people will get a better, a better understanding of how this all came about and what gave uh, the Internal Revenue Sur Service acting for the government an opportunity to enforce this misapplication of the tax uh, through the monstrous lie that's been perpetrated ever since the 16th Amendment <clears throat> was actually enact enacted into law in 1913. We need to remember that President Taft was elected as a trust buster, and in his presidency, he was concerned because the Supreme Court had denied the taxation potential for corporations, and he, he was very anxious to get into the books of the corporation and tax their corporate profits or gains. And in order to do this, he proposed in 1909, his proposal to Congress was for a corporate income tax of 2%. And in order to do that, because he was uh, similarly concerned at that time that the Supreme Court might knock that tax down because of a decision called Pollock versus Farmers Loan and Trust, he at the same time proposed an amendment to the Constitution, <clears throat> the well-known 16th Amendment, which has been misinterpreted for, interestingly, Angeline, almost 100 years exactly as of June of this year, 2013. And the what has actually happened was that the president, which I cover in Chapter 2 of my book, in his proposal speech, which incidentally I reproduced in its entirety at the end of Chapter 2 of Super Scam, it's very clear that what he was asking for was merely income as defined as corporate profit or gain only. Now, in their, on their own initiative, what happened was after the amendment was enacted into law, uh, the Internal Revenue Service, or our government through the IRS, expanded its application not only to corporate income tax, but also to the earnings of foreigners who were not protected against any direct taxation uh, by what I des described earlier, their constitutional prohibitions in Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3, and Article 1, Section 9, Clause 4. The, those foreigners, foreign entities and foreign corporations and partnerships so the IRS and Treasury Department 2313 expanded that application to include foreign entities. We carry that into my book in Chapter 3 where I discuss the fact that the only persons who are truly liable for the tax are <clears throat> withholding agents for those foreign interests and corporations. So if you're a fiduciary or a uh, required holding agent for a foreign entity, such as a stockbroker, well, then you can be applicable for the tax. There's only one section in the entirety of Subtitle A of the Income Tax Code, the Internal Revenue Code, that makes anyone liable for the tax. And that liability by IRS's own admission in many of their publications is an essential prerequisite to any responsibility for the filing of a tax return. So if you're not liable for the tax, you're not, you're not required to file the return. 
and you're not a, you're not a taxpayer, which by the way is a defined term in the Internal Revenue Code. <clears throat> what I'm doing here now, Angeline, is just touching on some of the essentials of my book, Super Scam. Again, I'll urge your uh, listeners uh, to access a lot of the information that I'm just giving a quick summary of uh, on my website at www.super-scam.com. And then if they're, you're, when you access that information, your listeners will get this plethora of uh, additional information, including an opportunity to order 11 addenda that I have written uh, to the book itself. Mm-hmm. The book covers a, a, a lot of multitude of sins that the IRS has committed over the years, <clears throat> but a lot of it requires elaboration. And these addenda that I've written, these 11 addenda, uh, go into great depth into how they can deal with some of the problems that arise. Okay, Fenner. Well, it's time for us to take the second break. Listeners, today my guest, C. Fenner Goldsboro, author of Super Scam, Mega Fraud in the Misapplication of the Income Excise Tax, and we'll be back momentarily. Thousands of years, people from the Brazilian rainforest have used the acai berry for its amazing health benefits. Now we've learned it's also an amazing weight loss supplement. If you're looking to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds or more, then the Ultimate Asahi Diet may be your solution. The Ultimate Asahi Diet is loaded with pure organic acai extract powder and other great herbs like hudia and green tea. You'll burn fat, control your appetite, and get an energy surge like you've never felt before. If you want to lose 10, 20, maybe even 50 pounds, order the Ultimate Asahi Diet right now. We'll even give you a free bottle when you order two, plus give you free shipping. Call 800-430-4147, Millions take comfort in God's Word on a daily basis. But what about the ones who cannot hear these precious words of truth? Where would I find hope? Imagine God's Word in the tongue of those who thirst for the same hope you enjoy on a daily basis. You can help them experience the same blessings you take for granted. This book is like a GPS system. I turn to it to chart my course as I begin each new day. Help someone hear God's Word for the first time by becoming a Wycliffe Associates volunteer and take part in the goal of Vision 2025, helping start a Bible translation in every language that needs one by the year 2025. Find out more by calling 800-THE-WORD. Who will show me the way? Make a difference and help share the hope of God's living word. Call 1-800-THE-WORD. That's 800-843-9673. Or go to our website at WycliffeAssociates.org and find out how you can become a Wycliffe Associates volunteer.
welcome back. You're listening to the True Seekers radio show. Today, our guest is C. Fenner Goldsboro, and we're discussing his book, Super Scam, Mega Fraud in the Misapplication of the Income Excise Tax. And Fenner, could you give your website address one more time for the listeners? Sure. It's www.super and then dash scam, S-C-A-M, at, excuse me www.super-game.com. Yeah. Okay. And you want to continue? Right. Can we uh, can we pick up where we left off? Sure. Go the, ahead, uh-huh. I think uh, uh, neglected to mention something that I think is particularly important. Uh, chapter one of my book, as I said, discusses the difference between a direct and an indirect tax. And uh, <clears throat> at the time that I reviewed that briefly, I think I overlooked the fact that in the, our nation's history, there have been only five direct taxes ever imposed. And but as I said, it's normally an emergency procedure, and those five direct taxes were mostly in the very uh, late 1800s. And then the last one that was proposed was actually uh, to finance the Civil War in 1861. And those direct taxes were always levied on the states of the Union as required by the apportionment provision. Apportionment meaning, as I pointed out, based on the population of each state. So whatever that state's population is in relation to the population of the country as a whole is the percentage of the direct tax that that particular state would have as their obligation. And with that as a background, we'll move on to indirect taxation which I discussed uh, briefly before the last break when I talked about the necessity for indirect taxes uh, that's there in the nature of taxes that can be transferred to someone else. But the indirect indirect taxes that were discussed and analyzed following the enactment of President William Howard Taft's proposed and and subsequently enacted 16th Amendment in 1913, is what has given rise to the problems that we're faced with today. Because there was no definition of the term income in the 16th Amendment. Uh, And I'm not going to recite the amendment here, but anybody, anybody that wants to can look it up, and you will see that the term income is simply not defined. And unfortunately, that gave the Internal Revenue Service, gave our government an opportunity to misconstrue the meaning of the term to include something that President William Howard Taft, the proponent of the amendment, never intended. As I explained, he intended only to cover corporate profit or gain, and the Internal Revenue Service themselves, acting on behalf of the government, expanded that to include the receipts of foreigners. But the only person that becomes taxable in the Internal Revenue Code is a withholding agent or a fiduciary for those taxable entities. Now, that would include the treasurer or the secretary of corporations that are creatures of the state. They're not law. They're not citizens who are protected by Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3, and Article 1, Section 9, Clause 4 against any direct taxation, which must be apportioned, as I said, and the bill sent to the states of the union. So, again, we're talking about an indirect excise tax, and the Supreme Court has ruled in many, many holdings, and I'm not going to have time in this discussion to elaborate on them, but they're all 
they're all set forth in great detail. And a lot of the provisions and quotations from them in my book, Super Scam, showing that the indirect excise tax is a tax on corporate privilege or on government-granted privilege, uh, which results in a profit or gain. And so the thing is taxable is profit or gain uh, from government-granted privileged entities such as corporations or fiduciaries for non-resident aliens or foreign corporations or partnerships. <clears throat> so at the end of Chapter 2 of my book, if your readers can read in its entirety the actual wording in President William Howard Taft's proposal speech for the 16th Amendment, and that's he got exactly what he asked for, which, which is that limited authority for the meaning of the term income to tax profit or gain from corporations. And they, as I said before, the IRS themselves are the ones that expanded that to include an ability to tax foreign uh, entities such as non-resident aliens and foreign corporations or partnerships. And that's all embodied in the code. <clears throat> so that's Chapter 2 of the book. Just quickly reviewing the other chapters of the book, we go to Chapter 3 uh, in my book, which is called Whose Receipts or Income. <clears throat> what I do, Angeline, in that chapter is to show that the IRS agrees with the Constitution by taxing the word income only as profits received by corporations or receipts of those foreign entities who, as non-citizens, they don't have those same constitutional protections against taxation as do uh, our citizens. Then we can move on to Chapter 4, uh, a quick summary there. Uh, it's titled The Internal Revenue Code, A Masterpiece of Trickery and Deception. <clears throat> what I do there, Angelina, is to show how words are used and defined as terms in the Internal Revenue Code. And these cause such confusion. It's very, very evident today in the misunderstanding as to what those terms and what their real meaning is. <clears throat> which, when properly understood, confirms the limited application of the income tax to privileged profits or gains of corporations and receipts of foreign entities, but and not to the earnings or receipts of U.S. citizens, because <clears throat> those citizens are constitutionally immune, as we've discussed, from income taxation. Next, I, my Chapter 5 of the book, <clears throat> and again, the caption here, the title of the Chapter 5 is Social Security, a flat rate income tax, and voluntary withholding. Now, that sounds kind of strange, isn't it? A flat rate income tax and voluntary withholding? Mm -hmm. People say, oh, no, there's nothing voluntary about that. Every time I go to work, I've got to sign a, a permission slip called a W-4 withholding allowance certificate. And so what can be voluntary about it? Well, you know, <clears throat> when you think about it, uh, Angeline, every time anybody does go to work, that is, in fact, pretty much the first thing that the payroll clerk for the company they're working for will put under their nose. They'll say, here, you have some options under this slip. Pick one of the options, check it off, and then sign this slip so that we can withhold income tax for you. That's just an assumption that they're taught to make by their employer, their accountant, and their lawyer that the tax is due and owing, but completely eliminates any reference to the Fifth Amendment of our Constitution. The Due Process Clause of the Fifth Amendment totally prohibits anybody from taking a dime from us without that due process. 
That's why they have to have the W-4 withholding allowance certificate. Think about it this way, Angeline. What does uh, allowance mean? I want to ask people that question. They say, sure. Mm-hmm. It means well, if you have to have permission to withhold, well, then it can't be mandatory, can it? People don't overlook that, but that's that's really the truth of the matter. The W-4 withholding allowance certificate is an absolute necessity for the employer to withhold the money. And I go into great depth in Chapter 5 of this book showing that all withholding is voluntary. And a couple of my addendums, which I've discussed a little bit, uh, on the subject of the Social Security income tax, which, by the way, that's all it is. It's, It's just another income tax. It's not what the title to it recommends or states that it is. And that's another subject which I discuss in some depth in Chapter 5. Because that is, uh, it's titled in the Internal Revenue Code, the FICA tax, so-called Federal Insurance Contribution Act. And it's referred to frequently, incorrectly, as the FICA tax. Actually, the Social Security tax is nothing but a flat rate income tax. And it's every bit the same thing as the graduated income tax. But there is also an opportunity, which I point out in great length, in the Internal Revenue Code to avoid the graduated income tax, the convention tax, the withholding on it for statutory um, consideration because they are recognizing that that is exactly a voluntary nature. There is a code section which enables people to avoid the payment of the graduated tax on the W-4 withholding allowance certificate. I get into that in some depth, Chapter 5 of the book. Let's move on quickly to Chapter 6 of the book, which is titled IRS's Illegal Collection Activities. Now, this chapter shows that all IRS collection activities for income tax against citizens are unlawful, and it shows that all statutory and Supreme Court authorities and requirements for assessments, liens, levies, and the making of returns are limited to Title 27, which has nothing to do with the income tax, Title 27 covers only alcohol, tobacco, and firearms tax. <clears throat> then we move on quickly to Chapter 7, which is uh, titled Limitations of the IR Code Filing Requirements and Criminal Charges. Now we're talking about an analysis of the limited application of the Internal Revenue Code's alleged, and I emphasize the word alleged, filing requirements, because I already discussed that briefly. The filing requirements are extremely limited to those who are liable for the tax, and I pointed out many times in the book that there's only one code section that makes anybody liable. If you're not a withholding agent or fiduciary for either a corporation or a non-resident alien or another foreign entity, well, then you don't have that liability and you have no filing requirement. So anyhow, I go on in that chapter to show the non-applicability of U.S. citizens' earnings and other receipts uh, to the income tax. I show the liability for uh, both income tax and criminal charges is limited by code sections in the Internal Revenue Code 1461 and also in Code Section 7343 to those who are 
actually required to deduct and withhold from taxable entities. Other supporting code sections and Supreme Court decisions are also included and discussed in that Chapter 7. Mm-hmm. Then finally, let's go to Chapter 8. Okay, Fenner, uh, this is a good time for us to take our break, and then we'll come back and we'll pick up on uh, Chapter 8. Listeners, today my guest is C. Fenner Goldsboro. We're discussing his book, Super Scam, Mega Fraud, and the Misapplication of the Income Excise Tax. And we'll be back momentarily. Millions of people who've never even set foot in a casino take a dangerous gamble every day, living without health insurance. You can't afford not to have it, but affordable insurance can be hard to find, especially if you're a hardworking entrepreneur or if you're working for a company that doesn't offer benefits. At Health Insurance Direct, we have a perfect solution with access to dependable, affordable health insurance plans. They have a plan that fits your individual needs perfectly at a price you can afford. Call 24 hours a day at 800-608-2521, 800-608-2521. Don't gamble. Call Health Insurance Direct right now for affordable health insurance. 800-608-2521, 800-608-2521. Not available in all states. Here's the number one more time, 800-608-2521. Did you know a sugary drink contains around 200 empty calories per can? This is registered dietitian Jim White. It's no surprise, extra sugar means extra calories. This can result in weight gain, offering little to no nutritional benefit. Nutritionally sound beverage choices are water, 100% fruit juice, and low-fat or fat-free milk. Cutting out sugary drinks allows you more room for fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, and low-fat dairy. This is registered dietitian Jim White. Visit eatright.org for more healthy tips. In a nation that has lost its way, Essays in Liberty is an important work. There has never been a time since the American Revolution that has called for a greater effort in teaching the principles of liberty. The vast majority of America has become liberty illiterate. Help revive our founders' vision of a constitutional representative republic. Fight for freedom today. Essays in Liberty will equip you to do just that. Order Dr. David Berman's latest book, Essays in Liberty, at smellthetruth.com. That's smellthetruth.com. Welcome back. You're listening to the Truth Seekers Radio Show. Today, my guest is C. Fenner Goldsboro, and we're discussing his book, Super Scam, Megafraud, and the Misapplication of the Income Excise Tax. And Fenner, before we went to break, I believe uh, you were finishing up Chapter 7? That's right. Okay. Yeah, well, that was limitations of the IR code filing requirements and criminal charges. I think we pretty well covered that. I couldn't go into too much detail, but it might be noteworthy to note on that, Angeline, that uh, the IRS themselves show that all of the sections really that relate to filing requirements and uh, liens, levies, everything that, that they charge the public with today incorrectly are all code, internal revenue code provisions that are applicable only to Title 27. 
which is a title that covers alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. And this is their own admission in what's known as the Parallel Table of Authorities and Rules. And when we point that out to the Internal Revenue Service that they're misusing that authority, which is applicable only to alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, to the income tax, they will normally back off because they know that we've... Uh, We've caught their hands in the cookie jar, so to speak. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so interesting. Uh, I think in the interest of time, if, if you permit me, Angeline, we'll move on to the Chapter 8 of the book. We're okay. almost because I have a lot of other stuff that I need to cover in the limited okay. time. Uh, the Affidavit of Revocation and Rescission is a document that I uh, have been advocating uh, for the 35 years. I haven't filed a tax return since 1975. Uh so that goes back quite a way. So that's when I first got involved in this fight early on. And uh, it's important that we recognize the fact that the very filing of a tax return is the thing that, that more or less puts your neck in the noose. If you're not a taxpayer, that is to say, if you're not a person liable for the tax, which we've discussed, then you are also a person that should establish that fact legally. And the way to do that, I propose and have always proposed, is with an affidavit of revocation or rescission where you get out of uh, the dilemma that you put yourself in by filing this affidavit and stating that you are a non-taxpayer. It's important to understand that the Internal Revenue Service charges almost everyone with being a taxpayer if they even work for a living. That's their misapplication of the term income, which we've already discussed. And we go into in so many other of the earlier chapters I mentioned. We get out of that dilemma uh, by filing this affidavit and revoking or rescinding any previous tax returns that we ever filed in the past and proving that we're not liable for the tax unless we are, of course, a, 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 a person that is a fiduciary for a corporation or a treasurer of a corporation and has the responsibility to deduct and withhold tax for that taxable entity, be it a corporate entity, or let's say a fiduciary withholding agent such as a stockbroker uh, for a taxable far uh, foreigner, that is a non-resident alien or other foreign entity, corporation or partnership, that's a different story. They can't file an affidavit. But for those of us, which is the vast majority of us citizens who are protected by the Constitution, Indeed, we do recommend the filing of the affidavit of revocation and rescission. You're revoking all your previous returns and you're establishing your legally your non-taxpayer status. That's a recognized status by our courts, the Supreme Court, as well as the appellate courts in the, uh, in the federal judicial system. So all of that is done and we show how that protects the individual against any taxation. And then we call uh, the necessity for liability for tax uh, to the attention of the IRS when they come after you and try to get you to file a return and uh, pay a tax that you've learned from reading a super scam that you never owed. So let's move on to the last chapter of the book, mm -hmm. Chapter 9, the most frequently asked questions and answers. And I have 14 uh, questions and, and very brief answers in that chapter, but I make reference to the chapters in the middle of the book, that is chapters uh, 1 through 8, uh, in more detailed responses uh, to those chapters, those frequently asked questions and answers. And that pretty well covers the book. Uh, by the way, Angeline, prices is, is, we feel very modest. We only ask for 
$15 for the book, $3 uh, uh, for uh, shipping and handling. And actually, if people would many times take advantage of my uh, offer, which shows on my website of purchasing five or more books, I give a discounted price of $13, and I pay all the shipping. And a lot of people that I've had ask me how they can uh, compensate me for the years of experience that I've had in putting together this data and getting it all in the book form. And I tell them, well, the best thing you could do for me is uh, to try to get wider distribution of my book. Uh, I need, I think, to discuss briefly uh, how difficult it is to get this subject matter over to people. I wrote a little addendum. Uh, it's sort of a, a, a supplement to my book, Angeline, called Too Good to Be True. And what I'm trying to uh, get across to people is an understanding that I have, and they should understand, of why this is such a tough message. We've got to remember that for 100 years now, since June of 1913, when the 16th Amendment was uh, actually enacted into law, the Internal Revenue Service has been a masterful propaganda organization. Uh, I truly believe that uh, Hitler's propaganda minister, Joseph Goebbels, could have learned something from the IRS. They have done one magnificent job of buffaloing or bamboozling the American public that they owe the income tax. And in this little paper that I wrote, I, uh, I, I point out a number of things that uh, I think are important for the people to understand as to why this is such a a, a tough road to hoe. First of all, fear is probably the most frequently voiced reason why most readers of my book, Super Scam, would fail to act on their newly acquired knowledge. Fear has been intentionally programmed into most Americans by Irish propaganda over the past 100 years. And they suggest, of course, uh, uh, to our working citizenry that if they don't file returns and pay the tax shown thereon, they'll go to jail. And it's a master propaganda organization. IRS threats, uh, both the bailed and the open threats, erroneously suggesting a requirement to file tax returns and pay the amount shown thereon have been impressively effective. And for decades this has been going on. Such threatening propaganda is taught and repeated in the schools and the colleges by competent professionals in both the accounting and legal professions. Because lawyers and accountants are actually falsely educated to believe the IRS lies about their authority to tax Americans' wages, salaries, and other earnings, the acceptance of this political bamboozle by those professionals it reinforces the public acceptance of the lie. Second, our citizenry's innate patriotism, which is a good thing, is embodied in the phrase, and I'm quoting here, we must pay our fair share, end of quotation. That leads to acceptance of the IRS lie that our fair share, so-called, is a portion of our citizens' salary or wages, despite the constitutional and statutory prohibition, which we discussed in great detail, Angeline, against any such direct tax. Third, habit and human nature. And that's in our genes, I'm sure you'd agree. By nature, we tend to follow the crowd. Everybody else is doing it. Hence, I can't be an exception to the rule. Most of us are doubting Thomases by nature, aren't we? Mm -hmm. A different point of view is voiced against what has always been a commonly accepted requirement. 
in the news recently, we've seen a lot about whistleblowers, and maybe I'm a whistleblower, so whistleblowers are often get, get themselves in a lot of trouble because they've got the courage uh, to come up and show a wrong and to do it publicly, and they pay a big price for it. <clears throat> Fourth, our sensitive egos are easily and painfully bruised, and they tell us to go with the flow when we learn we've been tricked and deceived about one of life's most important questions. Mm-hmm. It damages our egos when we accept a lie and later learn through our own research that we've been bamboozled. It's easier to simply accept the lie and act on it as though it were true, even after we've discovered the truth so that our sensitive egos will not be harmed. Right. But habit is hard to break, don't you agree? If we've been doing it forever, it must be right. And most of the people I've talked to, Angeline, have been filing tax returns for years and years, and this is all a brand new thing to them. <clears throat> it must be right, or at least that's the common understanding. Any change is thought to have been unknown, and in this case, scary consequences that they're looking at mm-hmm. when and if we're urged to change on the basis of newfound knowledge. Well, Fenner, I hate to break in on you, but we'll have to pick this up again next week because we've run out of time. Uh, Listeners, we're going to be back with uh, Fenner Goldsboro next week to continue and conclude this discussion on the tax super scam. Is there anything else you want to say real quick, Fenner, before we go? Well, I'm going to wrap it up because I want to talk briefly uh, about Holy Scripture. Uh, okay. Three out of four of my book buyers are Christians. Okay. But they have the courage to stand up and fight this war because we Christians, as I am a fundamental Bible-believing Baptist, a Bible-thumping Christian, mm-hmm. we know we've been better to look forward to when we leave this battle. All right. Okay, listeners, today my guest has been C. Fenner Goldsboro, and join us again next week to continue our discussion on his book, Super Scam, Mega Frog. Mega, mega fraud in the misapplication of the income excise tax. And until next week, God bless. 